Hello and welcome to the second edition of the second season of the Faraway Friars podcast. I do not have a new intro because real life is hard and things are hard. How are you doing, Omar? My name is Beso, everyone. I appear to be doing better than you, although I am also very tired. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good to hear. At least one of us is doing well. No, I'm kidding. I'm very... uh very happy for my health and all things considered i'm doing well as well now i'm not sure how you felt about it but going into the off season i didn't think the padres made many moves you know aj preller we we make a lot of jokes about him and then you know this year was kind of a, a little bit of a lull as in you know quiet we got a new manager of course so it really surprised me when we did get a trade all of a sudden on opening day. Um, mere hours before the season began, there was a trade. The Padres, of course, received Taylor Rogers from the Minnesota Twins. Closer, relief pitcher, however you want to call it, Taylor Rogers, And he's already had a small impact, at least, on the Padres. Chris Paddock who has been on the trading block of the Padres for, I don't know, years at this point, along with Emilio Pagan, were uh, both traded for Taylor Rogers. We also received uh, Brent Rooker, though I don't know much about that, and some cash considerations. How do you feel about that trade, and how did it shake up your feeling about the season? Well, considering that our closer position was kind of up in the air, you know, we didn't know where we were going to go with Either, you know, Lamette could maybe fill in or Suarez, who, you know, just coming in from uh, the MVB had some interesting stuff. But yeah, I think making that move was a beneficial one. You know, he's already come in and recorded, I want to say two saves already, two or three. Uh, and, you know, concerning last year with Melanson, who, in my opinion, was a very good relief pitcher, a very good closer, I should say, but had his moments where he kind of gave us heart attacks. Yeah. Best way I could put it. Um, Rogers has come in so far, has been very, uh, has been consistent. I, I would, I don't want to say consistent because you know it's still the early season, but he's been very cool-headed. You know, he just comes in, gets a save, and does his job. So Rogers, uh, so far, has three official saves for the Padres. The Padres, I believe, here have how many? Four wins. So that that tells you a little bit. I think it was terrible timing for Suarez. It was kind of very, very coincidentally terrible timing where the Padres come out on opening night and they blow the first game. They blow the, the great U Darvish pitching game on opening night. And, you know, Suarez, as well as who, who else came in after? Uh, um, Craig Stammen. Craig Stammen. They, they blew the game. And... We get a closer that very day to, you know, snag the job away from Suarez. And of course, Suarez, if he would have saved the game, he, he's not keeping that job away from a veteran and Rogers. But it just like it made it so easy for you to be like, oh, well, we have a closer now, you know, and turn away from, you know, Suarez and potentially Lamette. Uh, I know nobody likes to hear about uh, your fantasy baseball team. But I actually drafted Denelson Lamette thinking he was going to be the eventual starter. And I drafted Taylor Rogers 
thinking he was going to be the closer in uh, Minnesota. And for Lamette, excuse me, I mean the closer. And so now I have them both, and I, I'm looking at what to do with Lamette because he does not have a good position, a consistent position as a reliever. I might just drop him. <laughs> uh, so I'm doing fantasy baseball as well, not in your league, obviously, but in another league. One of my friends, he drafted Suarez because he heard something about him possibly in the closer. And when he when Suarez came in on opening day, I texted him, <laughs> hey, uh, your guy's in. And then oh. after he got taken uh, out by uh, Bob Melvin, I texted him. He walked everybody. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh so, yeah, um, I'm I have some. While we're on Suarez, I'm confident he'll figure it out eventually. He just probably just needs a few sessions with Niebla in terms of getting his control in control. <laughs> yeah, I think that was never going to be... It should not have been his job on opening night. Um, I'm not sure who should have been in there. Uh, bottom of the ninth there. I guess it would be the top of the ninth because it was in Arizona. But... I feel like it's it's not you can't judge a guy based on one based on his first appearance of course. So I don't think it has any sort of effect on what his overall career is going to be. It's just like a very bad start obviously. Very bad first appearance. You never want that and your your replacement is just like he's already in the dugout. We just we just got your replacement. It's just very bad timing for him and obviously he's a padre. I hope he does well. I hope he and Lamette and the, the bullpen, we're going to need all these arms if uh, we have a deep run. So, of course, I hope they do well. Now, my follow-up question, of course, the big trade piece for Rogers is Paddock, Chris Paddock. And I saw some Twins fans, you know, hopeful about the trade because it is a common thing for closers to be traded uh from from a team that might not have the highest expectations to to a different team the padres get a closer who has rogers it's his last year on his contract so he's a free agent after this the pod the padres are giving paddock away and twins fans are happy that paddock has a few years of control left how do you feel about losing paddock it sucks but i mean I don't. I don't know. Like I like Paddock. I I defend them. You know. I I remember he had he did really good in 2019 and then has not been there since. Honestly, it it could very well just be he needs to change the scenery. You know. Um. I hope he does well. Obviously, you know. There's good times last year. There's bad times last year. But ultimately, you know, I hope he thrives in Minnesota. Hopefully. Um. Something you. Uh. I don't know if you saw this but we also traded emilio pagan yes he was they were both the the part well. of the same. yeah uh my opinion on that is pagan unfortunately was very prone to blowing high lever situations he had his moments where he proved that he should be in those situations but then he had his moments where he proved he should stay away from them uh i hope he does well you know, I, I don't want to wish bad blood on any of these guys, obviously. So I hope he does well. So hopefully he can figure it out and become, you know, hell, he could become a great closer for the Twins. Who knows? With Pagan, 
I don't think anybody's worried about that or, you know, making any sort of comments about that from the Padres uh, fan base here because he he was only on the Padres for, for one year and he, he had ups and downs and there wasn't a lot of investment. With Paddock, it represents a time when he first came up that Padre fans didn't have a lot to be hopeful for. We were, you know, trying to get better. And he started off really well. And it's kind of gone downhill since then. Uh, as you mentioned, his first year's ERA was a 3.3, which is very good. Then you go to 2020, and it was in the four area. And last year, he actually finished with an ERA of 5.07. So it's been trending the wrong way. To what you said there, I don't think Paddock would have gotten better as a Padre. So I do hope he does better on the Twins. But not too good, though. (laughs) Not good enough for us to completely regret it. Yeah. (laughs) Now, one thing, when interviewed about, uh, I think he was putting on the Twins jersey for the first time. He might have been in an interview. They were asking him how he felt about the Twins, and he said he loved the Twins' colors, and he said he was glad to be off the Padres because he looked like a UPS driver in the brown and gold. Do you have any comment for that, Omar? I don't know if I ever told you this, but my Dodger friends, all right, uh, God bless them for what it's worth. Uh, they always make fun of me as well for that. You know, they literally told me, oh, they look like UPS uniforms. And uh, I usually embrace it. You know, uh, I literally last year in the show for my Diamond Dynasty team, I literally made UPS Padres uniforms. And I wore that oh, for yeah, a little I think bit. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at the Twins jerseys right now. I mean, they're all right. They're kind of basic. The logos are cool. Uh, I've always but... I've always liked that TC. On the cap. Yeah, yeah, the Twin City. Yeah, you know, uh, I disagree, obviously. I'm a Padres fan, I had to. Um, my defense of that is, I feel like we have one of the most unique color schemes in the league. The only other team that's doing, like, yellow, like, yellow and a dark color is, like, the Pirates. But they're yellow and black while we're yellow and brown, so there's, like, a difference there. You know, their uniforms are also really nice. Uh, so I'm going to be biased when I say that I think we have one of the better color scenes of the league. At least we have something different than, let's say, I don't know, the Yankees, who are apparently classic by wearing pinstripes or something. I, while you were talking there, I was listening. While you were talking there, I, I know there's this website called Chris Creamer SportsLogos.net. They they show all the team's logos. I want you to click on that link I put in the Discord. I'm looking at it. And tell me how much of the Twins logo stands out there among the others. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, not so much. There's a lot of circle logos. There's at least one, two, three, four, five, six, six circle logos mm-hmm. where they have like a logo inside and then like, you know, the team name surrounding it. So it kind of hurts. I say like the most eye catching to me, probably the Guardians. Funny enough, <laughs> the the shape of the Guardians logo is eye catching. I would say you... color wise as well, though you're seeing a lot of blue. Yeah. Um. To me, the Orioles, White Sox, and A's there are the only ones that really stand out. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the White Sox. Black is kind of like 
meshing too close to blue to me. I don't know. But the Orioles and the A's like stand out, but yeah, I it's a it's obviously like a non issue. And Paddock is probably just trying to throw some shade on the way out and he has every right to. People are memeing him on the subreddit showing that, you know, somewhat cringy picture of him doing like the sheriff guns yeah, with his hands from his rookie year and you know i think it's all it's all in good fun i would rather be a team with a brown and yellow color scheme though than a red white and blue just because it's such a saturated color scheme in my opinion yeah that's that's why i'm kind of glad we kind of moved away from like the blue scheme just because oh god yet oh yeah. god <laughs> just i think we look better in this kind of or like even like back in the 90s or something when they had like the orange and blue as well it, it you know it was kind of unique it was kind of interesting yeah a lot of fans uh depending on their age might still abide by the blue and orange and i completely understand them for that because that was the last time the padres made the world series and because it was a different look than the other teams but the brown and yellow stands out just a little bit more in my opinion i'd say possibly unpopular I like the 2000s look a little bit. The blue and sand? Mm-hmm. That's what I grew up with. I remember going to Petco Park for the first time, like the opening year, and there was a lot of sand stuff everywhere. Ultimately, I, I liked it, and they even had like sand uniforms, and I have one, I believe. Um, but they don't look the best in retrospect, I think. <laughs> Like they look better in my in my mind. They look better in nostalgia than than reality. Probably. I think they're better than like the 2010 looks at the very least. Yes, because that was just blue and gray. Yeah, and blue and white. Yes. There's just slightly more distinction there. Okay, going back to main topic, the Padres also traded for another former A. Besides getting uh, the manager. It was funny, that was in a spring training game, wasn't it? It was the last spring training game the Padres were actually playing the A's. And Sean Manea was on the opposite side. And all of a sudden, he was traded to the Padres. Do you remember when that happened? Yes, uh, I'm trying to find the game here. Uh, It was... Yeah, it was not the last one, but like the third to last one, it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Um, I believe we had made that trade in the morning, and we were due to play them. So it was literally a matter of him just coming to the other other dugout and us getting a shirt ready. I thought I thought that was very interesting, and I know the A's are thinking that they're going to be kind of selling high. He's turning thirty, so there's a little bit of a worry about that. There, he had a very good start the first game, Darvish and Manea. Had a great start opening uh, games one and two. Not so great. We're recording on the 13th here. Not so great on this last series against the Giants, but he only gave up two runs, so it's not like he blew up there, I believe. But how do you feel about getting Manea? I think it's a good ad. Um, One that I wasn't expecting, but one that honestly makes sense. You know, especially... It gave us a reason to lose Paddock to get a closer, which makes sense. And it just adds a very good arm. One who Bob Melvin has coached, so there's that connection. Uh, he's not a former Ranger, as I'm a warrior. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I had to sneak that in there. Yeah. But I think he's a very solid pitcher. Uh, I think I mentioned, I don't remember if I mentioned this last podcast, last podcast, but this podcast, 
I will say that he had a start against us last year at Petco, and he did very solid. So you know it. You know, there's a hope that he'll do the same for us this year. And for the most part, um, I'd say he has. Even with losing today, I'd say he's still pretty good. He only gave up two runs, if you really think about it. Last year, he started 32 games. He had a 3.91 ERA, which isn't amazing, but it's not terrible. You know, it's within that it's within that range that you want your starting pitchers to have. I I think if you have realistic expectations, I think it's a it's a very good ad, like you mentioned. I would rather have him starting than Chris Paddock. So if you look at it that way, that's an upgrade, of course. You have Rogers, that's an upgrade. You have Luke Voigt, that's an upgrade. So the Padres did add key pieces here that might do them wonders later on in the year when initially it didn't look like the Padres were actually doing much. And I am pleasantly surprised with that. But we'll see how it goes, of course. They didn't give up much. It looks like in the Manea trade, they were just uh, prospects. About that. Padres also will receive Aaron Holiday, minor leaguer. Oakland receives right-hander Adrian Martinez. And teenage infielder, Eruburiel Angeles. Like Los Angeles. Hmm. But I don't know much about any of them, and it's obviously not the Padres' top five prospects or anything. So I'm all good with that. <laughs> okay. And as of the time of recording, the Padres have just finished their second series uh, against the... Oh my gosh. Padres have just finished their second series against the Giants. They started it out losing opening night, then winning four games in a row, three in a row against the Diamondbacks in the first game against the Giants, and losing the last two games as of this recording. How have you felt about overall what you've seen so far? When we got walked off on opening night, it's kind of weird. A bit. <laughs> you know, you don't walking up being walked off is never fun, especially on opening night. But after, but you know they recovered pretty well, and I mean even losing against this the series against the Giants, you know, um, Giants has always been like last year they were kind of a, uh, a thorn in our side, and it's looking to be the same way this year. You know they're still a good squad, I feel. So getting one game against them is pretty good. You know these games eventually will matter, and getting one against them is pretty good right now. So I'm looking at this like I know it's literally only been two series so looking at standings is kind of a way too early way too early thing you know the rockies are currently in first place so you know uh rocktober baby (laughs) uh but you know what honestly being four four three having the winning record going into our homestand uh against the braves and the reds Mm. it's a good position for us honestly i know this time last year i think we were a little bit better because well we we kind of had our record inflated by sweeping the uh, Rangers. But, you know, this year is a different team. I feel like right now it's a matter of gelling together and getting this team to figure out some stuff before we can really go on a really, really good stretch. Yeah, at the beginning of the year, especially in baseball, you just have to kind of, like, wait and see what's going on because there's no trends to draw from just yet. Um. I completely agree with you that I would have 
like to see more against the Giants, but it's not the end of the world to lose two out of three to them, especially when, you know, the first game and the last game were both close games. Middle game, we're not going to talk about, except for the fact that uh, Will Myers came in to pitch and gave up a home run to Jock Peterson as a Giant now. And that is extremely weird. That's a weird sentence to say. (laughs) Apparently he was a Giants fan as a kid, so. Of course, but like he played so many years on the Dodgers. <laughs> and then played for the Cubs and then the Braves. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. It's a it's a weird circle. I went to MLB.com just to see where the Padres are in stats, team stats, and their ERA. What do you think it is? Team ERA. Team ERA. Okay. Yes. Uh Darvish's last start definitely not gonna help with that. Uh, and there, there's also. Uh, I'm gonna give you. Like, a, I'm gonna give you the low and the high to give you a better reference point. Okay. The low, or the best ERA, is the Houston Astros at 1.69. Okay. Okay. The worst ERA is the Kansas City Royals, 6.8. I'm gonna say four, four point five. You're not too far off. That would be pretty low. The Padres are actually four point two zero, so four twenty. Oh, so, so, so a little. Bit, I figured they'd be in the four, just because yeah. we had like that blow up start, and also, uh, you know, some relievers got rocked. Yeah, I just, I just saw the four twenty in there, and I wanted to make sure I got it in there. <laughs> uh, interesting hitting stats for me. Padres only have four home runs so far in the year. That's only one up over the league low, which is the Pirates, Orioles, and Brewers all at three home runs. The league high in home runs, the Blue Jays, possibly because of uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. The Padres are second in strikeouts, as in they've struck out the second most times in the MLB. Hmm. So maybe that might be something worrying, but hopefully that's just good giant pitching at the moment. Hmm. Would you guess what team has been striking out the least? The least. Hmm. The best at not striking out. Uh, I'm just going to probably pick a team at random. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Rockies. The Rockies are in the better third. Okay. But they've stricken out 17 more times than this team. The Cardinals are number one in strikeouts. Padres have 65 so far. Cardinals only have 26. Why am I not surprised? Don't they have that one guy? Wait, no, I'm thinking of the, uh, the Guardians. Um, Quan, what's his face? Who has yet to swing and miss, apparently. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. <laughs> one more tangent with the Cardinals. Did you see on Reddit, they were showing everywhere the ceremony they had before opening day? The one with Albert Pujols? Yes. I think so. They they honored Wainwright, Pujols, and Yadier Molina. And I thought, of course, everybody thought it was very, you know, heartwarming. Pujols also hit his first home run, I believe, yesterday. Uh, back on the Cardinals as a DH now. So that's, you know, a feel-good story. I think he needs 20 or 21 home runs if he's trying to get to uh, 700. So that'll be something to look at for a neutral 
fan perspective, in my opinion. Um, not sure if I'm recording this part, but did you see anything about bad sportsmanship in that loss to the Giants yesterday? A bit. Uh, so what? So what I saw, what I heard happen was, um, because this also, there's actually a lot going on in this situation. So when we were down nine runs, uh, I don't remember what inning. Uh, I think Darren Ruff bunted against us uh, to either beat the shift or to, you know just get on base, right? Yeah. And apparently, um, I think he was pinch run for something. Uh, but when he went to the dugout, uh, he got an earful from uh, Gabe Kepler. And also, you could see in the live feed as well, uh, Bob Melvin was not pleased about it. Oh. Uh, other than, yeah, basically, and then also, you know, hitting a home run off Will Myers and stuff. Apparently, the Giants are being bad sportsmen. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for the summary. Uh, I think it's dumb. I think if uh, if a team's beating you, you need to stop them from beating you, right? Like, I don't think it's bad sportsmanship. The Padres didn't give up. So why are you mad at the Giants for bunting or hitting a home run off of Will Myers? I thought it was about the home run specifically. I didn't know about the bunt. I, I saw the bunt. I, don't, I wasn't sure if it was about the home run as well. I mean, people hit home runs off uh, position players, you know, all the time. I feel like it's... It shouldn't be a non-issue. If you but put Will Myers on the mound, it should not be an issue. You should be expecting some problems to happen if you're a Padres uh, manager there. I really think... I think it's lame. Initial bad impression there of Melvin, of uh, Bob Melvin, to to complain about that. I The Giants beat us, so you gotta you kind of got to take it, you know? I if don't... Mm-hmm. So, so there's two different kind of ways to handle it. There's be mad about it but ultimately not doing anything about it or just be mad about it and then you know trying to hit the guy who did it or you know shit like that uh you know it's funny that we're in this situation because you know two years ago yeah hit a 3-0 home run Mm -hmm. uh sorry grand slam against the rangers and the rangers retaliated by trying to hit uh i believe eric cosmer yeah, and then there was that whole thing where Tatis had to apologize. It completely bo- blown out of proportion. You know, obviously San Diego was birthed from that. Funny enough, but it, it was still a completely stupid ordeal. And I feel like this one kind of is as well. But as far as where Bob Melvin hasn't really said much about it or done anything, you know, obviously he didn't tr- tell you know Will Myers to go out and being uh pit- start beating the Giants players. And I think ultimately Gabe Kapler probably just told him, hey, you know, don't do that. Or, hey, that's kind of dumb, but whatever. You know, so I feel like this situation is handled better than the Tatis one. But it's also kind of dumb that we have to talk about it because it's baseball and no one cares. Let let the player who beats you celebrate. That's how it works. If you, if you win, you get to celebrate. If you lose, you get to... Uh... You get to have to watch the other team celebrate. So I will say this once again. The only um, unwritten rule that should be followed is not talking about a no-hitter. It's my opinion. That's that's fair. Maybe we should... The whole, the whole thing with unwritten rules is usually... Uh, 
the reason they're unwritten is because they're not good rules. Maybe we should just make that a rule. Like everybody just <laughs> don't everybody follow just, unwritten sh- rules. Big yeah, true. Just make them. Just make them a real rule. If it's a real, if it's a real thing, there. Really quickly, I know you're not as big a basketball fan as me, but everybody was laughing their butts off over the Minnesota Timberwolves yesterday, who uh, won the playing game against the Los Angeles Clippers. Did you catch any of that? I heard something about it, but I don't remember what it was. Okay, I'm gonna give you this link here. And this is a a playing game. Uh, basically, the Wolves and Clippers were fighting for the seven seed. The Clippers are oh, still. Oh wait, yeah. wait, is this what I think it is? No, it might it's not. be. Okay. Oh no, I'm I'm thinking about the lady who glued her hand to the court. <laughs> yeah, that was that was during the same game. But uh, right. watch that for a little bit. All right, love the music. The music, of course, was edited in. And uh, the reason why is because the team just just barely made it to the playoffs. They're the seven seed, which means they'll have to play the two seed. And these guys were, you know, at home and they were celebrating and celebrating. And one specific player, Pat Beverly, he has had a long journey. He played for the Clippers, the opposing team, last year. And they basically just let him go thinking he wasn't worth anything. And so he got his revenge by winning tonight, supposedly. Well, it was last night. And so they were they were really like celebrating and the TNT guys were making fun of them. They dubbed over it with the we are the champions. Like they're acting like they won the whole they won the whole championship. And it's just they they won a playing game, you know, essentially. So I, I have to ask you, did they over celebrate in this scenario? <laughs> Eh, it's a plan. Let them have their fun. You know, the La- the Lakers did the same damn thing last year. They, I feel like you should match the fans' energy, and the fans are going crazy. If the yeah. fans don't care, then maybe you shouldn't care. You know? <laughs> if we're not getting excited about walk-offs and, yeah. like, let's say the wild card, like what happened with, like, the Dodgers and the Cardinals series last year, then... It's just gonna make feeling excited about the World Series kind of pointless because like you should be excited for everything that goes on, you know. Like in in a hundred sixty two game season, everything matters, even like a random loss in August, you know. I think somebody did bring up baseball and how they the fans celebrate a lot during the one game playoffs that they had when they were talking about this basketball situation because of an elimination game and elimination games, um, you know can be very exciting so they got in and i thought it was a little bit too much but they're allowed to celebrate at the end of the day i i think it's perfectly okay now thinking about celebrating or future celebrating i asked you earlier omar to get your prediction ready for how many wins the padres would have uh for this season and you know some also backup questions uh, after that as well. But basically, you can take into account the recent trades. You can take into account what you've seen so far, but it's very early on right now. I want to ask you, how many wins do you think the Padres will have? They can't have 162. 
Well, you say that. You can have one fifty, one fifty nine. They're still okay. able to. Okay. I think, I think we'll land a little shy of that personally, but that's just me. Okay. <laughs> um. So you're not a fan. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen that one guy in the subreddit who always posts like on every uh, post game thread like, uh, we still going like one hundred and fifty nine to yeah. Something, something, yeah. and you know everybody's like, "Yeah, let's fucking go, Curtis." <laughs> uh, if you're Curtis, if you're listening to this, uh, you're the man. So, um, unfortunately, I don't share your optimism. I'm gonna say, mm-hmm. I think this might be a little bold, but I kind of want to be optimistic, especially after okay. last season. Okay. I'm gonna say 89. Mm. Okay. Before I let you explain why you said 89, I'm also gonna ask you really quick. Will that make the playoffs? Yes. Division winner or wild card? Gonna be realistic and say wild card. Do you want to even guess which wild card position? I believe there's three wild cards this year. Hmm. That might. It depends how competitive everybody is. Mm-hmm. I'd say that would get us at least second. The second okay. wild card spot. Second in the wild card. 89 wins. That's what you have us at. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say mine, and then I'll give you a chance to explain yours. And then okay. I'll explain mine after. Okay, okay. I have the Padres down for 85 wins. Hmm. I have the Padres making the last wild card spot. Okay. So it's okay. just a little bit under yours. Mm-hmm. So why? what's your uh, reasoning for the Padres getting to 89? I want to be, like I said, I want to be optimistic. And I feel like, like I said, once we start hitting our stride, we'll just rip off wins. Hopefully it can get us far. Being in this division is kind of tough because, like, even the teams that are supposed to suck. You know, apparently there are kryptonite. Uh, so, what you know, like I've, like everyone says, what matters is winning those games against the Rockies and the D-backs. You know, they matter just as much as winning against the Giants and the Dodgers. And I'll, you know, obviously as well, whatever other teams we play, we have to beat them, you know, but division, the division is ultimately what's going to matter. And I feel like if we can finally turn our form around against the Diamondbacks and the Rockies, which so far, I guess we have, and then start just to steal wins against the Giants and Dodgers whenever we can, hopefully beat them in a couple of series that should get us over the mark. You know, like I said, I I don't think we win the division personally. You know, the Dodgers could win it. Uh, the Giants might repeat. The Diamondbacks could pull it off. <laughs> but I think I'm going to be optimistic and say we we could be on the cusp of 90 wins. I'm saying 89 because knowing us, we probably won't make 90. But I feel like 89 is a good number to reach. Okay. That's, that's completely fair. So I think... The Padres did a very good job of adding talent. As I mentioned, I thought the Padres actually had a little bit of a lull in the offseason before they got Rodgers, before they got Manea. And I'm happy with that. But at the end of the day, I do think the roster is still a little bit flawed. And I think it's missing something. And I'm going to say the Padres win 85 games if there's no impact player that the Padres get at the trade deadline. Okay. Because I think the roster as is, even with these new ads, 
a big part of it for me is not knowing how many games Tatis is going to miss, how many games it's going to take him to get into full, uh, you know, get into rhythm and be at the level that he was before he got injured last year, which was an MVP level. When you're missing something like that, it's a big variability. But I still think the Padres are going to underperform at points. But I think and I hope that they get 85 wins at least, because I think that's the number the Padres would have to hit to get the final wildcard spot. I do think that's about the track that they're on right now. They're a better than average team, but they're going to have to fight a bit just to make the playoffs. I think they'll make the playoffs just barely. Just double checking, I believe I remember said that the Cincinnati Reds um, were the team that would have made the third wild card spot if it existed last year. And their record was 83 to 79. Okay. Yeah. So, but in the American League, I think it was higher. It was like at 89 or something. Yes. But yeah, but that's because, yeah, it was the the Blue Jays would have made it and they had a record of 91 wins. Yeah, that was crazy. Mm-hmm. I think about 85 and you're probably good is what my point would be, I guess. Yeah. Now, I have a question here for you, Omar. You can okay. see it. Okay. What's your answer? I believe that the season will be a success is if we stay healthy. It's neat. Stop getting injured, okay? I don't want to hear about no arthritis in your left knee, okay? Just, just stop that. For the love of God, just stay healthy. <laughs> I say the season is a success if Fernando Tatis Jr. plays 80 games. Okay. Now, screw it, 85 to 85 games. So, basically, what our win total is going to be. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to throw that out there. I'm going to say the season will be a success if Tatis every, plays to every game Tatis plays is a win. That's what you're going <laughs> to That'd be cool. My, my thing tonight is 85. That's the number. I think Tatis needs to play 85 games. I think he is slated to miss at least the first two months of the season, which is probably around 40 to 50 games. Um, so I. I think I'm being optimistic by saying if he makes 85 games, we'll have a successful season. I don't think people are expecting him to miss half of the whole year. Uh, but who knows? You know, with a case, you don't want to rush him. You want him to be healthy. But that's my argument there. Just got to have baseball back. Fun to watch. Even when we lose. I, I still rather lose than not have it at all. True. The Padres will be playing the world champion Atlanta Braves next. And then the Reds, uh, by the time we're recording this, will probably be the end of the Braves series, middle of the Braves series, somewhere around there. So, of course, that'll be another good test uh, for the Padres to try to get the series win there. Until then, I want to thank everyone for listening to this episode of the Far Away Friars. My brain is fried, so I don't remember. Uh, the, the ending portion, but at least I tried. Omar, have a good night. Everybody, have a good night. <laughs> San Diego, our heart, San Diego, our home. Bye-bye. There you go. There you go. <laughs>